Welcome to the Minimum Viable Podcast, a project of the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. Our mission is to inspire, connect, and empower people in order to promote a culture of innovation in the U.S. national security community. You can learn more about DEF and get involved at DEF.org. That's D-E-F dot O-R-G. We look forward to your ideas and are excited to connect you with other doers working on hard problems. All right, uh, so we're going to get started. Uh, I am uh, Jeremy McCoy. Uh, I'm with the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. I work on the operations team and uh, help with the blog. Uh, and I'm super stoked to be here with uh, Jay Kramer at FedTech and Rose Bouchard at Ensign. Um, so we're going to do uh, a Q&A. Um, first off, uh, starting with just like a, a little bit of background uh, about everybody. So um, I'll start off and then we'll go to Jake and then Rose and then we'll start talking a little bit about the DIA. So I'm uh, in Air Force. Uh, I work in the Pentagon. It's super great. I still get to go to work, but for the first time in my career, I am now working from home a couple days a week. Very excited about that. I have a um, I guess west facing window. So you'll notice that my face is going to suddenly, I may put shades on like partway through this. It's going to be great. Uh, and I did give myself a super short haircut. Paul, if you're on the call, I know that that's the only reason that you're here. Um, but I'm going to keep you in suspense and keep my hat on until the end of this and we'll see who sticks around and I'll take it off and show off my handiwork. Um, so that is all about me. Um, we've got a, a really a great crew uh, of, of folks um, who have, uh, I'm excited because they've taken the time to, to show up here. So uh, Jake Kramer, uh, managing partner at FedTech, um, which is uh, a venture builder right there at the, the intersection of uh, entrepreneurship, right? like the break, breakthroughs technologies, and then uh, something Def loves, which is mission-driven uh, organization. So he's also a venture partner at NextGen Ventures. And uh, he previously served at Goldman Sachs in New York City. And then prior to that, he was in the Army, uh, got a bronze medal, uh, which is a pretty big deal. Um, everyone is always like, oh, you, you know, you got, you earned, whatever. Uh, we can have that debate after this. But he spent uh, a good chunk of time in the Middle East deployed uh, and now is, is joining us here. And then uh, Rose uh, is with the National Security Innovation Network. Like I said, she's the program manager for the Defense Innovation Accelerator. Um, prior to coming to INSEN, she was at the Aspen Institute. So she worked on cybersecurity uh, and technology there, uh, including uh, work with the White House on uh, different vulnerabilities, um, and then their strategy and existing research on uh, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, uh, spectrum stuff, which is like super cool if you're nerdy about that, uh, and uh, Internet of Things. So, um, Jake, we'll start with you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, you know yourself and what you do with uh, with FedTech? Yeah, sure. Thanks, thanks, Jared. Great to be here. Thanks everyone for attending. Um, yeah, so I th I think Jared gave a pretty pretty good quick overview of, of myself. Um, yeah, just my, my background uh, as an army officer, and then <clears throat> and then get my MBA and, and expose myself to to uh, to my own startups. So just kind of diving in, um, really wanting to focus on the intersection of entrepreneurship and and defense innovation. So that that's kind of what brought me to my my current path today um, as managing partner at FedTech. Um, my responsibilities are, are really. Uh, 
running the really, really around running the startup studios and accelerators that we do, uh, uh, managing operations of the business as well. We, we do some other things as well. I'm not going to go into that too much here. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of rolling. We have a great team at, at FedTech as well. Um, and it's great to partner with, with Ensign, uh, for the defense innovation program, uh, defense innovation accelerator and DEF for, for tonight. So, um, that's it for me, Junior. Awesome. And Rose, share a little bit more about kind of your, your exciting role at Ensign and, and kind of what you do there. Awesome. Thank you for the introduction. Um, so as you mentioned, um, I'm a program manager at Ensign or the National Security Innovation Network. Um, we partner with FedTech on this particular program. I know they have a whole bunch of other exciting things going on as well. Um, and I know we'll, we'll get into a, what exactly DIA is a little bit more later, um, but my um, I got my master's in national security and, and international security and really started looking at cybersecurity in Russia and from there sort of moved into all things technology and had the opportunity to work on um, some pretty cool projects and I will be sure to tell all my former colleagues that you think Spectrum is cool because they were, uh, they're like, no one cares. Um, so, um, and that's what brought me to Ensign where um, I've been for the last couple of years um, supporting their work creating new communities of innovators um, for the Department of Defense and, and national security. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Spectrum is one of those things that you don't realize how important it is until you realize how important it is. Um, as with many things, I think we see in national security, and, and this is no exception, right? Talking about uh, entrepreneurship, um, some of the amazing technology that comes out of uh, government, and then, you know, the, the delightful uh, intellectual shelves that we put it on, because unfortunately, we can't always, um, you know, actually make it go do something, right? So, um, we'll actually start with that, Rose, maybe if you can um, tell a little bit more about kind of the, the way that Ensign got this kind of piece started, and then we'll transition over to, to Jake to share a little bit more about the, the FedTech side. Awesome. Yeah, so Ensign, or the National Security Innovation Network, um, is part of the De Department of Defense. We sit under research and engineering, and our mission is really to create new communities of innovators in the service of national security. Um, so to that end, we have a whole bunch of different programs, um, but one of the, or the one that I happen to manage is the Defense Innovation Accelerator. Um, we are a T3 program, or Technology Transfer and Transition, and what that really means is there is a whole bunch of really cool technology that defense labs have developed, and for whatever reason, it's still sitting on their shelves. Um, maybe they ran out of funding, maybe the PI retired. Um, I think we have one technology that we found that was discovered on accident, which is kind of the best day of work that I could hope for. Um, but for whatever reason, like it's not currently being used, and so we partner um, with FedTech to find ways this technology can make it not just into the private sector, but also into the hands of the warfighter that it was originally developed to serve. Um, so to that end, um, I, I'll let Fed, uh, Jake dive into the nuts and bolts of the program, but I will say uh, before I hand it over that um, FedTech have been our partners for the last several years, um, and we're really excited to be able to take their, their model and sort of customize it even more to the needs of the Department of Defense. Um, we're going to be making sure that as these technologies go through the cohort, that teams are talking to people inside the department um, just as much as they're talking to people in the commercial sector um, so that these technologies are really developed um, hopefully into dual use startups that serve both uh, the commercial market and the defense market. So with that, Jake, I'll hand it over to you for some of the, uh, the nuts and bolts of the, this program. 
Yeah, and, and this is uh, thanks, thanks, Rose. This is a kind of a new concept for many. Um, so just just around the education piece, um, you know, the, when we hear accelerator, you think of uh, generally already formed companies that want to come in to a program and accelerate their growth. This is actually not that type of accelerator. It's, it's, it's kind of a combination of an accelerator and a startup studio. If, if folks are familiar with that, which, which essentially we have a very unique model. So there's really no, uh, word for it, I think yet. I think that's probably a, on our task list somewhere to figure out what this is called. But but essentially, what what we do is we find technology in the federal in, in the defense labs. So all DoD labs, we look through, we comb through thousands of different technologies, identify which ones have uh, have the the viability to start a company, and can also serve the warfighter. And so. Um, without that, we're not going to be able to, companies aren't going to be able to start, right? If, if it's just focused on this very niche thing for the military, that's why dual use is really important. So it can be a sustainable business. Um, so, so we find that technology, we, we interview the inventors, we do a market assessment, we do a technical assessment of the technologies. Um, we, we, we basically call it down to a list of, of uh, uh, from thousands down to 24. So that, that is phase one is 24 technologies here. And so we take those 24 technologies. Uh, and, and while we're doing that, we simultaneously are recruiting entrepreneurs that are more defense oriented, that, that, really, uh, that really thrive in the, in the, the dual use space there, um, and, and aspiring entrepreneurs as well. So this, this program is not, uh, you know, leave your job immediately when you sign up for this. this is, I know a lot of other accelerators are, um, but at this stage, it's really too early for that. So, um, so we essentially, you can think of getting those technologies in the program as an, an agreement with the labs, but there's no formal agreement in place with the folks who are with the, with the entrepreneurs in our program yet. So that, that's a really key thing. So the first phase is, is essentially we walk you through how to figure out if the technology can solve a real world problem, both a commercial and, and a defense problem. Um, if it can do that and we validate that, uh, the, the teams validate that and we, we show you how to do that and, and hold your hand and walk you through it. Um, then you have a really good chance at starting a company and licensing that technology, meaning the government gives that to you um, for your use, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible because some of these technologies have, have hundreds of millions of dollars that go into developing these. Uh, and we as, as, a, as commercial entities can actually just license those without having to pay back all the R&D costs that went into that. So you take that technology, uh, we pair together the entrepreneurs with that technology. We can get into that too a little bit deeper uh, if, if people are interested. Um, and then we, we form teams around them. And, and, and the important thing is teams, not companies. The first phase is really validating whether there's an opportunity there. Um, after the first phase, we'll cut that, those, those number of teams down to about 12. So what we'll do, we'll do a 50% cut approximately of those teams. And then the second phase, we'll focus on how do we start a company? Um, what, what is the licensing uh, plan look like? What is a commercialization plan? How do we do these negotiations? Essentially everything you need to actually get started and launch your business. Um, so the first phase, business model validation, validate there's an idea there before actually investing in licensing and starting a company, um, and then making sure the team is, is the right team. Second phase is, is launching that company. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff to to unpack there, um, and I'm really excited to hear more about this. I think maybe uh, we can uh, start uh, digging a little bit more in first with Rose, just to say uh, a, a bit about like really what 
what can someone expect as a participant in this program? Yeah, um, so the Defense Innovation Accelerator, or DIA, is a really good opportunity, as, as Jake outlined, um, to work with some really cool Department of Defense lab tech. Um, so every, um, every team will be paired with a, a particular technology that they will do a ton of stakeholder interviews and market assessments and, and really diving into um, seeing if there's a there there, seeing if this is something that um, you're excited about and you want to start a company around. Um, and really what we ask for and, and what you can expect is that we ask for about 15 to 20 hours a week of your time. Um, but you don't have to be in residence. There isn't a fee to participate. Um, and we will, we will not take any equity in your company if you do choose to form one. Um, what you will get is a really great program of structured support. Um, FedTech has been doing this for years and they have um, a pretty good model of like, hey, this is, this is what we think you need to know. Um, we're adding that second phase that Jake, um, Jake mentioned of um, additional company formation support for the top half of teams. And we're going to make sure that we as Ensign lean on our network um, to introduce teams to potential end users within the Department of Defense. Um, we know that sometimes uh, people in the department can be a little bit slow at answering their emails from people outside the department. Um, all been there. Um, so we are going to, yeah. Um, so we're just going to lean on our own network and make sure that we as Ensign um, make sure that these teams have people to talk to about their technologies so that if they're saying like, hey, I think this can go on an Air Force plane, they have someone to talk to and be like, what, is this something that would make your job better? Is this something that would um, improve your day-to-day? -day? Because that's something that they'll be doing with the commercial sector. And we want to make sure that, again, this is a, um, this is a technology that, that will serve the warfighter and be, you know, lend itself to a dual-use company. Yeah, that's, no, that's really good. So then uh, this is kind of a logical follow-on, I think, Jake, for you. Uh, who can and or should join the program? Uh, if you're active military or something like that, can you join? Are there any other kind of eligibility factors uh, to, to consider? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so first of all, who, who can join? I'll start with who who can't who can't join. So um, I guess there's there, there's a lot of people who can't join, and that's essentially if you are a foreign national, you can't join the program. That's one. Um, if you are a DoD active duty uh, personnel, you can't join as well. Um, the, the, since this is a DoD program, uh, we don't want to take away time from DoD personnel. So so that's um, that we just want to avoid that conflict. So so that's that's ineligibility there. Uh, if you're a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident, you can join. Um, you know, so that's that's definitely uh, on the table there. Um, now, who should join as well? So if you are, uh, you don't have to have started and an IPO'd a company to join here. Um, we think one of the huge benefits of this program is that, you know, we tap into the network of folks who, who are gainfully employed already, and maybe at a large company that are just kind of nervous or hesitant about stepping into a startup environment uh, and, and kind of throwing away their their stability and security. Here, here's a chance to dip a toe into the water of entrepreneurship and see at, at a very low risk to see if this is something that you want to do, uh, because it is certainly not for, for everyone and, uh, and we don't want it to be for everyone. Um, but here's like a really, really good approach to, to actually to, to, to test the waters, uh, so to say. Um, 
and uh, anything, oh yeah, and, the, and companies too. I think we had a question in the Q&A too. Uh, if you have an existing company, um, that's also off the table. Uh, however, if you have a team and you've got some friends and you wanna to join together, um, that, that's great because that, that reduces the team risk. Um, you know, for starting company, there's, there's many different risks and one of them is team risk. And, and so if you already gel with that team and you have complementary skill sets, that's great. If you're, if you're all, you know, a team of five PhD, you know, nuclear scientists, probably not going to be too balanced out there. So, you know, make sure you're joining with a group that, that you guys can complement each other or, or gals can complement each other. Yeah, that's great. And I, so if I'm understanding right, uh, it, it sounds like, you know, a, a, an existing company can't throw itself into this as, as a company, right? If you're the founder, you can't be like, yeah, we're all doing this thing. Right. But, but if you're at a company, you could go do this and you could pair with people, even maybe in the same company, but you're not doing it as a company thing, right? If you have a buddy who's in the same shop and you find some other folks and you're like, Hey, this seems cool. We'd want to go check this out. Like that would be, you know, the kind of way to, to go about it. Does that sound right? Yeah. We've had many people do that in the past. So that is, that is great. Yeah. Coworkers joining from a large company, not representing your company. Um, that that's, that's awesome. I think so. Another thing too, I want to make sure I, I add in there too. This is, we're not really targeting undergrads here. Um, you know, this, this is the world of, of deep tech and, uh, and, and starting a business is, is generally um, a, a thing, an easier thing to do with the more experience you have. Um, so we, 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 and also undergrads like a really busy time in a lot of people's lives. So uh, we generally want to focus on post uh, undergrad. Um, so that's, um, if you're, if you're an MBA student, that's okay. Um, as long as you can support the workload. Um, you know, if you're an MBA student and working full time, that this is not going to be for you. So another, another caveat too, is if you're a, uh, you know, a contractor or something and you're working in a SCIF, um, secure uh, compartmentalized information facility. I think that's the, the term, um, the, the correct acronym. Okay. I've, I've been using it in a while, but um, you know, you don't have access to your cell phone throughout the entire day. And this kind of program is pretty agile. And, you know, part of discovering if your business model is going to be valid is talking to people. And generally people don't want to talk, you know, after dinner. And so they may want to schedule something during the day and that may be impossible for you. So uh, it doesn't rule you out, but as long as you're in a team that is really complimentary and you can, you can shift responsibilities, I think that's okay. Um, but just know that this is, this is not uh, for someone who works, you know, 20 hours a day. There's just no time in, in the week for that. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. So, so you kind of mentioned a little bit there about the, you know, the, the type of technology and, you know, both the, the life experience as well as the, the depth of technology. Rose, can you talk a little bit more about like, you know, breakthrough technology? Like what are we talking flying saucers? Like what, what kind of stuff are we talking about here? Um, I wish we had flying saucers to offer. And I, um, don't tell me you don't, you can't, you can't tell me that. I know that. Well, I can't tell you things that you already know. Um, so, and yeah, just to build off what Jake said, if you are active duty, um, we, we also are looking for some mentors who will be able to guide uh, participants. So shoot us an email at dia.ensign.us um, and we, we can pick up the conversation there even if, if um, it doesn't really fit for you to be an entrepreneur. Um, so to your question, we um, are looking for all kinds of people um, as much as we're looking for, you know, have our half of our team members will be business-minded and half of them will be um, 
uh, more technology minded. We have six technology verticals that are sort of scoping um, all the breakthrough technology that we are looking at for this cohort. Those verticals are cybersecurity and uh, secure communications, artificial intelligence, uh, virtual reality and computer vision, human performance technology, which is a really new cool thing, um, sensors and autonomous systems. Um, so we are still in the process of making that final down select, but some of the stuff that we're looking for, we have everything from um, algorithms that are designed to help counter fake news to um, uh, sensors that detect impurities in fuel tanks. Um, we have um, technology that is uh, will sort of help augment and counter or augment counter UAS measures um, so that you can track uh, a drone that might be flying towards, towards you um, and sort of figure out what it is and, and can you intercept it. Um, so there's a lot of cool stuff that's coming into this cohort. Um, yeah. And, and just to add to that too, we, we are in the stage right now, we, we are almost down to the 24. So, um, so the, the, we're getting really, really close. We're just doing our final diligence and, and stages that we have to go through. So some of those may change. I think they're most likely going to be in, but um, just want to let you guys know. And that's why we're, we're not going to be able to share it before you guys can actually apply. Um, but by the time you apply and get interviewed and get accepted and, and you know, we'll, we'll send that letter out. We'll get right into uh, sharing all the technologies. And then from there too, uh, how how you get paired up with them so we'll essentially give you the list and you'll have like a, a, a hundred points where you go and allocate across multiple technologies where you have preference and then we'll base and then we'll match that based on preference experience complementary skill sets with the other folks who have done it uh, or if you're coming in as a team you can all you know give the same amount of points to the same amount of technologies and, and that that that's our, our mechanism for uh, pairing the teams with the uh, technology and um, and just another thing to know too because we we just get a lot of these these questions is you know the, the teams that you form in this program you know, this is not necessarily the teams you have to, you know, the people you have to start companies with, right? This is still exploratory phase. So you come into the program, you, you do this experimentation, if it turns out one person's not a great fit, you know, that's totally fine to, to not go forward with them, you know, or the entire team is not great and you just want to go forward with the technology and, and build your own team. These are all situations that, that happen. So this is a very messy environment that, that I personally love being in and, and there's just so many unknowns and uh, it's, it's, it's just a real, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. It sounds like a really good place for people who are maybe comfortable with, uh, gray areas um, yeah if you're not comfortable with gray areas this is is it's either one of two ways we see people who come in who are just strictly engineers for you know 30 years and they and they they need everything very very structured nothing against engineers i, I love engineers some of my best friends are engineers um but but also that you know like i i think um this can be extremely eye-opening to them and completely change their their worldview or they realize like this is this is not my place. Like I need to go back to what I'm, I'm used to. And either way, it's a win because you learn something about yourself, you know, that way anyway. So um, yeah, benefits all around. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And it's, it is, it, learning by doing is really powerful. Um, so, so I guess kind of on that note, uh, to, to you, Jake, uh, I guess, what are some, what are some tips, right? For entrepreneurs, you know, folks who are trying to, you know, get into this, you know, trans transition maybe to defense or, you know, look, looking at this from that angle. Yeah. So, um, I would say, so I guess the, the taking nor, you know, other entrepreneurs who, who, who used to doing, non-defense work and coming into defense world, um, recognize that things move slower here. And this is not just defense, this is any, any government, um, any government organization. So, um, you know, if you're used to getting things done really, really quickly, you know, your, your scale of, of, of quick is going to be very relative to your experience outside of the government. So you need patience here. Um, you need to understand that there are other constraints and there's, there's levels of approval and authority and certain things that certain reasons why the government and certain organizations can't move fast enough due to certain regulations as well. So it's, it's not just, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a, a culture of slowness necessarily. It's like, there's, there's a lot of things on the back end that need to happen in order to actually get the ball rolling in certain areas. So, um, so, so just, just kind of be patient and expect that the world they're used to is, is a different world. Um, but you know, there, there's reasons for those, those regulations in place and, and the overall benefit is, is really for the, the warfighter in the end there. So just keep that, that mission, um, uh, driven mindset, you know, when you're going through some of these, uh, negotiations or, or, or red tape or bureaucracy. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And it, and it kind of does draw back to like a, a, I guess a bigger question, right? And it's a little bit different for, you know, depending on what your background is, but I'll toss this out to you, Rose. Uh, how does this all tie back to national security? Like what, what's, what's the point here? Yeah. Um, so the point, I mean, in some ways we've touched on it, right? Um, Defense Labs come up with these really cool solutions. Um, these are solutions that the taxpayers already put money towards, whether we, you know, think about it on a daily basis or not. Um, but you'll have, um, you'll have primary investigators who spend decades like researching cool things with light and lasers and they're doing stuff before, um, you know, the private sector really even thinks of it. Um, I know we kind of have this idea that defense labs move slower, but that's not always the case. But we've, you know, so we have this technology. It's awesome. We as a country have put money into it. And then for whatever reason, it lost its way. Um, or it didn't find its way into the hands of that in original intended end user. So what we can do and what Ensign can do is we can take that technology and pair it with this program where teams will um, really figure out what it could be used for now. Um, if this is the, that technology that got discovered accidentally, like no shade that it didn't um, fit in its home office, but like who can use it? What, where can it go? Um, so go out and do a ton of stakeholder interviews and market assessments and like figure out if there's an ROI here. Um, and then what this is really about is getting that technology into the hands of the warfighter. And that's really where Ensign has skin in the game. We, as the, Depart uh, the Department of Defense made this technology, um, the Department of Defense would like to use this technology. We are selecting technologies that can also be used by the commercial sector um, because I think, as Jake pointed out, there are some really great arguments for one, like giving back as, and, and um, figuring out how broadly these technologies can be used. And also like, yeah, uh, private sector funding can move a little faster and that can be really important for a young startup. Um, 
So this is really about helping the technology find its place in the national security place or space um, and making sure that um, our, our, the men and women serving our country have uh, the best technology that we can give them. Yeah, that's that's really good. And it kind of puts stuff in context, right? We talk about government going, you know, slowly and a lot of times, right? It, it can be kind of iterative, right? But, you know, unlike when you're uh, an entrepreneur developing something, uh, a lot of times in government, you don't have as much control over those iterations. Um, someone might uh, decide you have something amazing and it's, it's going to be uh, skyrocketing. And then, you know, the next week, someone else might decide uh, you didn't get congressional funding. Uh, and that's, that certainly could be an impact uh, point that would you know, drive towards some of this technology. So we'll give uh, one more question over to Jake and then uh, take some Q&A from the audience. So I know DJ's had some questions out there. If there are other folks that have questions, you can go ahead and click the little Q&A button on the bottom and type your question in there. And then uh, we'll happy, happily get to those. So Jake, um, you know, you, you touched on, on some of this, but maybe just to, to highlight anything else that sticks out, uh, what are some of the challenges that, that participants, you know, will typically have to overcome uh, as kind of part of their, their journey in, 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 in FedTech and, and doing this Defense Innovation Accelerator work? Yeah, so there are quite a number of challenges. So if, if you don't like challenging yourself, if you love living in the comfort zone, Again, this is probably not for you. You should just probably turn this off immediately. Um, if if you if if you want to challenge yourself, this is the right place to be. So, um, what are some of those challenges? So, um, one, reaching out to people you don't know. So, we we the one of the best ways to actually figure out if your business is viable is is talking to people and going to conferences. Um, we don't have that luxury anymore of going to conferences. So now we have to, we have to reach out to our, our, our network and we have to reach out to people that we don't know and just say, Hey, do you have 15 minutes? A second, can I talk to you about some of the problems in, you know, in your industry that you're facing and, and, you know, you're going to get a ton of rejections, a ton of people who don't respond, a ton of bad conversations, but you're going to learn a lot. And, um, and that, that's key to understanding if you have a viable business model before you actually launch. Um, so, so that reaching out to people you don't know is, is big. Um, we give you time pressure. So we, we have deadlines. There's, there's accountability involved. Um, you know, we, we give you goals that are not really well-defined and they're not well-defined on purpose because we can't, we can only force a business to, to do business model validation in a certain way. Um, for example, some, 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 some technologies have a very clear use case. Like if we have a satellite technology um, that's been designed for satellites and, and really only works on satellites, the use case is probably going to be on satellites. However, if we have like an AI application um, you know, that, that's some kind of a neural net algorithm that, um, you know, that has these, these amazing abilities for, you know, for pairing computer vision with, uh, with object identification. Like there's a lot of different use cases for that. So the timeline to figure out the best use case is going to be a little bit longer than, than the, you know, the, the space technology, let's say satellite technology. So, um, so the goals are not well-defined. Um, how to get there is not well-defined. Um, you know, we, we're not going to, we'll, we'll provide you some contacts, but this is not like a, a, a program where we hand you a finished product and the people you need to talk to. And your job is just to build a, just form a company and start selling. 
Um, it's, it, entrepreneurship is a lot harder than that. Um, there's no program in the world that exists like that uh, for a reason. Um, so um, th so that, that's one of the, the key things. Another thing is the technology. Technology is going to have very different levels of, of readiness. So TRL, we, we call it. Um, so, um, you know, some will be coming in as, as a lower technology readiness level and we'll, we'll be clear on what those are. And then some are coming in as, you know, operationally tested and, 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 you know, and, and almost ready for commercialization. So the timeline to commercialization uh, will be different as well throughout each technology, but you, you may have to spend some time and, and, you know, increase the, the readiness of this technology and taking it from a prototype to an actual product, which in, in, in a lot of cases is not an easy thing to do. So the, the main takeaway is nothing's easy here for this. So, um, so if you like easy, again, probably not the best program for you. Yeah, that's good. You got anything else to add, Rose, before we go over to the uh, Q&A from folks who are attending? I mean, um, yeah, echo what Jake says in that um, it's, it's not a paint-by-numbers program. It is one that both allows you, that challenges you, but also gives you the space to, to, to figure out what this technology could be used for. Um, we are looking for, um, we've been looking for technologies that are, you know, within a year or so of being read, you know, sort of ready as much as you know, what, what use case you define is going to affect that. Um, but I think, yeah, to echo what Jake said, I, I think it, if you're looking for a challenge, if you uh, perhaps have finished Netflix this quarantine and would like to go on to do something um, that is challenging, that is like, um, that gets you out of your box, that gets you out of your comfort zone, um, then yeah, we're ready. And um, I think this could be a really rewarding, um, rewarding program for someone who's ready to, to, to take that next challenge. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I think there's a, there's, there's a lot there in terms of, you know, really talking about the opportunity that both you, both, both of you guys have talked on. So, um, I, uh, it's 430. I'm, I'm going to celebrate. I've, I've got a drink now that I'll be enjoying. Um, so, uh, we'll start with the, the first question, uh, and, and we'll go to, uh, we'll go to Jake and then Rose, if you have anything to chime in on this, go ahead. But the first question is, uh, what's the typical licensing terms? Yeah. So this, this is a whole session, um, on its own here, but, um, I'll try and keep it as high level as possible. The, the, the easy answer that nobody wants to hear is that it's different for every lab. So I'll just get that out of the way. Um, now there's different aspects to licensing and just to take a step back, licensing again is, is, is taking uh, basically the government created the technology. You can license it, use it for your commercial purposes of creating a product, selling back to the government, uh, selling to commercial markets. And, and so th with that, there's several considerations with each, each lab. Um, and you can also do options as well. So if you want to, um, uh, you know, have the ability to to look at the technology closer without doing a full license. You can do an option, which means you would license it at a later date, ideally. Um, so, so that that that's just a high level. Now, once you look at the licensing, there's there's several different kinds. So, um, and you guys can can Google this and look into this a little bit more. So, I'll just give it a high level overview here. Um, so, you have exclusive licensing, which not many labs do at all, which is essentially we have this technology and we are only going to give it to your company and nobody else. And so that 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 for them that presents a lot of risk because 
they, um, they, if you have the technology and you don't do a good job commercializing it, they, they'd want to give it to somebody who can do a really good job. So the, the, the labs generally want non-exclusive licenses um, to, to everybody. However, um, that doesn't present you with a huge competitive advantage. If, if I can license it with my company and Jared can license it with his company and you're both competing, that, that's not great either. So there is, there is a, a middle ground, which is more common, which is a non-exclusive um, uh, for field of use. So you can use it, this specific technology for, let's say, healthcare. Or, um, or, 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 you know, space or, or something where it's, you can, you have the, the boundaries, the protection uh, for a specific field of use with that technology, uh, which is usually a pretty good solution. Awesome. Rose, you got anything on that? I think Jake did a pretty good job of explaining it. Um, we work with uh, lots of different labs across all different services. Um, and every, every lab, every service is going to have their own sort of take on it. As Jake alluded to, some will have sort of um, expedited, um, almost, uh, I don't want to call them pre-baked, but, but it's sort of pre-made or, or um, template licenses. And then, yeah, you'll want to, if you decide to form a company after going through DIA, um, you'll want to scope that down to, hey, I really only want um, to use this technology as it applies to planes, or I really only want to use it as it applies to healthcare information technology. And if you scope it down, it's going to be a cheaper license, um, but you're really going to develop where exactly you want to license this technology, or if you want to enter Creta and do a little bit more research, um, you'll figure that out as you go. Um, so that's... Um, and, and we will uh, offer um, some information on licensing as part of phase two. So um, it is something that, that we're there to help with or that we're there to inform you um, sort of on the, on the, what the process might look like. Yeah, that's great. Um, so next, next question is, you know, what, what are the, you know, maybe relevant ideas or concepts that you'd be looking for in the application process? Yeah, so I think that one, um, I think that one's a little bit, uh, I think, I think that, I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, the, the, um, uh, the person who submitted this, but I, I don't think that's a relevant question for this. Um, we, we do get a lot of, of questions like this. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you mean, you know, we're, we're not like a typical accelerator where you submit an idea or a concept um, and in your application process, and we say, yeah, that's a good one. Like we're going to accept it and and help you grow. Um, this is this is essentially you're applying as yourself or a team um, based on your. We want to understand who you are, what your experiences are, what 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 adversity you've gone through, what challenges have you overcome, uh, really to 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 bring out the 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 qualities that you'd need as an entrepreneur. Um, the technology we pair you with is going to be provided. Um, and then you will, you'll select that after the application process, after you're, you're admitted in, um, and, and your job is to figure out what is the best use case for this? What is the best concept idea, um, you know, that you can come up with to start a business around that and, and we'll, we'll help you along that process. Hopefully that, that makes sense. Let me know right back in the Q and A if, if, um, if that does, or you meant something different. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point because it is a little bit different than what people yeah. typically expect, and and that's I think one of the things, and, and you both mentioned this earlier, is that makes it you know really kind of unique and exciting once you kind of figure out, hey, how does this work? And it's it's a little bit of matchmaking, but one of the challenges in 
you know, if I weren't in government, I think this would be really appealing to me is, you know, I don't necessarily have the idea, right? But if someone shows me back, exactly. I'm like, oh, this would be awesome, right? right. And I would love to go build, you know, a company and love working with teams and, and, you know, doing that stuff. So this sounds like, you know, like you said earlier, uh, you know, a great way to test the waters with that. Um, I think the next question, maybe this, this ties into you, Rose. Um, you know, one of the themes is, is human performance. Um, you know, two words can mean a lot of things. Uh, can, can you dive into that maybe a little bit more? Yeah, human performance is um, a really fairly new and exciting uh, area of, of research, and it, it can definitely apply to a whole um, spectrum of things. But one of the way that we're kind of interpreting this is um, basically what technologies can help humans perform better. Um, I know there's a little bit of like, hey, this is a personality assessment, and that's a little soft for what we're dealing with in this cohort. But it is a, um, if you are looking at perhaps a patent on a gene or the application of a gene, since you can't patent genes, but like if you're patenting an application of a gene, if you're um, patenting a, a piece of technology that's like, I, with this, um, I can um, do my job better. Um, that sort of augments um, the performance of humans, not to be too tautological in my definition, but that is, um, that's what we're going for. Um, and every time you take a drink, I'm like, man, now I'm on War on the Rocks. This is great. I'm basically in two podcasts in one. Um, yeah, that's good. Jake, do you have anything to, to toss on there? No, no, I, I think that's good. Yeah, there, there's, there's just, it's really broad and we, and we kept it that way on purpose so we can, we can look at technologies across many different areas of human performance. Yeah, no, that's great. All right, so we've, we've got a, a multi-parter here. So I think the first one should be hopefully relatively simple. Is this, is this on-site, right, or is it, is it remote? Yeah, so this is this is going to be um, it's definitely going to be remote. Um, so so here here's how it's going to work. So we're going to have um, basically the summit weekend, which is the, which is a uh, July 11th and 12th. It's going to be we used to do it in person. Obviously, too early for that. So that's going to be virtual. Uh, then we'll have weekly. Um, it's it, I think it averages out to about every week um, with a few breaks in between. We'll do a weekly uh, session. Um, once a week during the week uh, at eve in the evenings and that on, on the east coast at least and that will be um, um, That'll be virtual as well. Um, we have the pitch day on June or sorry uh, September 3rd um, Which is still up in the air. So we haven't committed to virtual um, Leaning towards that most likely and we'll make a decision as we get closer um, And that's the end of phase one um, that pitch day is going to basically determine who gets into phase two from there, so then we'll we'll, we'll cut that down, uh, and then phase two will be all virtual workshops again until we hit December third, uh, which will be the demo day for those phase two companies, which we're hoping to have in person. But again, we can't commit to that at, right now; it's just too early there. Um, and then I see uh, 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 Jerry. You're gonna read the, the rest. Yeah, or? yeah. So kind of the next follow on to that. Um, is, you know, okay, what, what if you have, you know, something like a subscription survey platform? Is there some kind of budget for, you know, research or maybe other activities that's built into this? Yeah, we, we don't have, I mean, we, we have to get, there's, there's a lot of things built into this. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to go through all the, the, the list of, of, of different areas, but just to answer your question about the, 
you know, budget to con conduct research. The research, most of the research that you're going to need to do is going to be talking to people and, and understanding the problems. Uh, if you don't have a problem solution fit, there's really no point in, in continuing and doing further market research and going down that rabbit hole. Um, we feel like if, if there's no problem solution fit you've established, um, then determining, deciding between markets is kind of, uh, is, is, is one step ahead of, of where you should be going. So first figure out the problem, uh, who has it, what's your customer type, and then, and then figure out how strong the problem is. And then, and then um, the market uh, assessment comes, comes after that, or, or at least uh, overlapping on the back end there, but we, we don't have anything like, we don't have any subscriptions available for that market research, but we have a ton of uh, ways to actually um, help you do that for free. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll show those uh, as well. Yeah, that's good. So this one maybe, uh, Rose, you can touch on, you know, maybe some of these technologies are, are sensitive. How, how does confidentiality play into this? What does that look like? Yeah, um, so on the one hand, um, Absolutely, a lot of these technologies were, I mean, all of these technologies were developed for the department use. Um, that being said, we don't want to create any sort of um, roadblock. I think that all of us are, or many of us are probably aware of how long it can take for a clearance to go through. This is start of phase one to end of phase two, only a six month program. So all of our work, um, we may ask certain um, uh, entrepreneurs on certain teams, depending on what the inventor and the tech transfer office um, is comfortable with to sign an NDA. But um, at this point, um, really the level of confidentiality that you should expect is that um, non-disclosure agreement. Um, just because at this point, you're at a fairly high level in terms of talking about the technology. You are um, less like, please tell me, you know, it, it's not a question of, please tell me the absolute details of the emission set for which this technology was originally developed. It's more like, hey, you know, does this, um, does this improve your, yourself? Does this improve your, your plane? Does this improve, you know, like, does this make your life easier? Um, and like more detail than that, you know, like, I don't want to, but it, it's still at a fairly high level where an NDA is, is, um, sufficient. And that's sort of what, as we've been talking to uh, primary investigators and talking to the labs, we've been pretty clear that like this is, this is, you know, one of, this is the, the level of conversation that we expect and that um, they've all agreed that, that they can work with, with that. That's great. And last, last bit of that one. Um, and, and just for folks, we've got a couple of more questions and then I've got a couple extra, but I I foresaw that there might be interest, so I added 15 minutes to this before we started. So we've got until 5:15 before this thing kicks us off. Um, just just because I, I thought people, once I saw a lot of people signing up, I was like, all right, let's see, let's see what happens. But um, so so how 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 do people get to kind of represent themselves, right? If they say, hey, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, out you know looking for stuff, you know, what what kind of is allowed um, versus you know representing themselves as to doing stuff with DoD? How how does that work? Yeah, this this is a very in the weeds question, um, and we're going to go through this a lot in the actual program, but. Um, I, I can do a little bit of, of, um, of an answer here. So um, things we want to avoid are representing that, that you own the technology. Um, so 
that that is definitely a no no um so you know saying you know i'm 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 in this program with the dod is totally fine and and that'll open a lot of doors right um this dod program and you know and and there's different ways of of reaching out to customers um and and, and we label them as customers but but customers is a really broad term because it mean it could mean end users it could mean buyers it could be influencers that are influencing the buyer so uh, and you want to adjust the customer outreach for every person that you talk to so uh, the question centered around a c-level executive right well you have to understand um, what do they care about like wh why would they actually answer your your email or pick up the phone for you you actually have to give that value and in, in, in your message and and figure out and, and it's not easy to figure out what they care about but with just a little bit of research and and an understanding of how to craft a, a really good email uh, your response rate can be really really high and, and also it's, it's a lot of um a b testing so um you know what works for one you know certain you know demographic of the population or certain customer type may not work well for the other too so uh, there's a lot of learning along that uh, that goes as well and we're going to share all of that learning with you i'm not going to go into um into really really too deep here but um th that's that's my my general high level answer hopefully that's sufficient it's pretty good to get folks started, right? There's yeah. lots, to, lots <laughs> to learn if you're, you know, applying it into the program and, and, and that's great. Um, I, I like this next question a lot because I was actually wondering it myself as you were describing the different things. Um, are all of these different, you know, uh, technologies and ideas similar in terms of, you know, technological research and, and development, or even, you know, the thing I was thinking about is, is difficulty, right? Like you have all of these different backgrounds, you know, and you mentioned five different nuclear physicists on a team, right? But like, how does all of that, you know, tie together when you're applying without knowing what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, I, I guess the, the, um, to answer that question, I guess the, the, the the technologies vary wildly. So, um, you know, I, I think understanding your background as part of the recruiting process will help us pair you with that, that right technology. Um, however, like there's a ton of different technologies in the program. So we have, we've got materials technology, material science technologies, um, which could be at the similar level in terms of TRL uh, level of technology development. Um, but it could take longer to commercialize that versus a, a software technology that, um, that, that may be a little bit lower on the readiness level scale, but wouldn't require significant investment or time to get to the, the next, you know, to get to actually commercialization. So um, it, it's, it, it kind of varies pretty wildly within the program. I, I don't know if, um, uh, I don't know, hopefully that, that's helpful. Did you have something else, Rose? Yeah, I mean, I'll say as the person who's been on sort of every every lab tech interview, I think we've we've asked like, hey, you know, if this were if you had funding again, if the funding has been stalled, and if you had people to work on this, how far away is this? To your question, Jared, like, how far away is this from something that people could pick up and run with? And the answers that we've been getting back are like three months to a year. Now, granted, that is a little bit. I think of, I think there's a little bit of. Um, wishful thinking there, you know, I think there are some, some PIs who are like, yeah, well, fully staffed is a team of four. And I'm like, well, our team has two. So, you know, that there, I, I don't mean to make that there's a, a, you know, promise on the dotted line that you can definitely, um, 
definitely get there. But I, um, I think that we tease uh, teams up for success really well. I think that we um, do, I, I see a question about super funding and I won't jump the gun on that one, um, but we, we tee people up well to, to get a super and get that sort of research funding. Um, so hopefully like we put them in a good spot so that yes, there is a range of where these technologies are when they come into the cohort. Some of them have materials questions that need answering. Some of them are more software based, which is a little cheaper to develop, um, but they're all, um, it is something that we look at when we, we take the technology into the cohort. Yeah, no, that, that's good. And, and helping folks kind of understand, you know, the, the background of the pieces there. Um, so, so we're going to the next one in, in terms of, you know, what about outcomes, right? So, so you know, based off of whatever the, the program might define as success, right, which might be different depending on which if you're the person who's who's involved, right, versus what does FedTech consider success, what does Ensign consider success, right? But but maybe each of you can kind of uh, discuss a little bit about, you know, what that looks like and then what follows on, and we'll kind of bleed the cyber piece into that as well because there's a follow-on question from some of the discussions we've had in our, our dev slack group about uh the kind of valley of death with with cyber uh chunking and people continuing to move through there and finding um you know uh, people to sign mous and stuff like that so i'll let you guys address that we'll, we'll start with rose and then go to you jake yeah um so i think ensign defines success for this program um as as successful T3, successful technology transfer and transition. We want to see people uh, form a company, commercialize the technology, and we want that technology to get back into the hands of the warfighter. This is a lofty goal. I anticipate tracking this data for like years. It's going to be great. Um, um, <laughs> Jared is what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> so um, that's what we want. Um, I will say that this is the first time we've run this particular iteration of this program. So maybe um, Jake can talk in his answer a little bit about the success that FedTech's seen in its programs. That's a little bit um, different. And we are, um, well, it's a new program we're, we're learning and, and we're uh, making sure that we offer people company formation support since it's something that um, people have said in the past that, you know, they were a little lost. Um, on the cyber piece, one of the things that Ensign is doing for this cohort is setting up um, interviews with potential end users for each technology. Um, and this means that, I mean, so one of the things uh, for people less familiar, um, CIBR, or the Small Business Innovation Research Grant, is pots of money from the government. You can get a phase one, which is a relatively small pot of money, or a phase two, which is a bigger pot of money, but you need to know who's going to use your technology. Um, and you need to um, have an end user in mind. So the fact that we, um, through this program, will have teams talking to potential end users and like help that happen um, means that we are, um, means that you as a team or as a potential company have a much better chance of getting that phase two and that like larger pot of money because you understand going in who might use this technology, who might write you an MOU, who might write you a, le a letter of intent. We are not promising that you will come out of this program with an MOU or an LOI, but you will be actually talking to the types of defense people who, um, who would want this technology. Um, and to that end, I will also just say that, look, as program manager, my KPIs are basically your company's success. Um, this is how I'm judged. My metrics are making sure the technology um, leaves the labs, gets into your company, and then gets back to the warfighter. Um, so we are all absolutely um pulling in the same direction and we're behind you every step like every step of the way 
Over you, Jake. Yeah, and, and yeah, about that alignment. <laughs> yeah, what? yeah, yeah. I'm dressed through with my hands, and my hands keep disappearing. I, I can't. Um. Yeah, and just just to add to that too, um, you know, this is the first iteration of Defense Innovation Accelerator. We have ran multiple startup studios for for the past five years, um, so so those rates are a little bit different. Um, we, we work with other government agencies as well. Uh, this is just a DOD only program. Um, so we have no data on this one specifically. Uh, but I will go backwards and, and talk about um, just, just what to expect. So one, it's really, really hard. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's, it's even harder uh, than, than normal entrepreneurship because, um, because you, you have to um, you know, get used to these new processes and, and um, and, and, you know, and so it's just a little bit more challenging in this environment. Um, the payoff is, is, is great, though. And I think for the mission oriented people, this is this is exactly where we want to be. Um, but, but looking at previous previous iterations of our startup studio programs, what we've what we've seen is typically about 30 percent of the companies uh, or of the teams actually turn into companies posts. Uh, the cohort. So um, that's a that's a pretty high rate considering um, just the, the, the this is a really lofty thing. Like one, we're bringing together people who don't know each other, giving them a technology they're not an expert in, and and then telling them to find a problem um, and, and, and license the technology to solve that problem. It's just a lot of things need to line up. And by the way, the timing of the market has to be right as well. Um, so, so there, there's a lot of different things here at play. So you're, it's basically like you're, 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 you know, it, it's, it's tough, right? Uh, entrepreneurship, those of you who are, who, who are entrepreneurs, you know, how, just how tough it is. Um, in terms of SBR funding, so we, we have many of our companies win SBR phase one funding. Um, we've got folks on staff who are who are some of the all-time leaders in SBIR winning, uh, you know, like on the leaderboard of all-time uh, uh, wins. So, um, so we were very, very good at that. We're not going to write the SBIR for you. We're going to give you all the tools that you're going to be able to win it yourself. Uh, we're, we're not an SBR writing service uh, for you. So, um, um, and then we we do have I don't, I don't know the numbers on the converting to phase two, um, so I can't answer that. I know we we have at least one or two, um, but I, I yeah I can't I can't I I don't want to be caught on tape saying the wrong thing. So let me just let me just uh, end it end it there. No, that's that's good. And those those are follow up things where you know people can engage. I'm sure with 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 folks to to, to get that and um, and super helpful. Um, so the last question, then we'll, we'll bump to the last two I had for you guys and then um, close out because we've got a, Def's got a one minute video that I love. Like, I'm just going to make everyone watch it because I love it. It gives me chills every time. And that's how we'll close it out on a high note. But the last question uh, from the audience here is, um, you know, and I think this is a, is a really good one, right? How do you define viability? Um, and, and this may be answered within the program, but how do you define viability without piloting the solution with some potential clients? Yeah, yeah, and this and this gets um, again, we could spend a whole day talking about this, but but let's let me let me try and zoom out a little bit here. So, the, the number one reason startups fail is because there's no market need, right? Um, so so typically, who uh, you know, folks who are doing entrepreneurship kind of the wrong way are you know, we have an idea, we're going to build a product, we're going to find clients and we're going to test it to see if that works, right? Th that, that is kind of throwing a dart at a dartboard, hoping you're going to hit 
you know, and, and, and just praying, right? Um, the, the, the right way, like the, the lean startup way, the one that is, has the most success um, as, you know, really evidence-based way is before you start developing the solution, the, the product, um, you have to understand the customer at a deep level, right? So then you'll be building your solution um, while understanding exactly what the, the customer needs. And so this, this part, the first part is really understanding the customer at a deep level. Um, the second part is what, what can you, yeah, well, I mean, there, there's multiple parts in between, but let me just get to like, once you, once you understand the customer, you still have to license the technology, right? So you license technology. Um, if you're at a stage of the technology where you can pilot with, with customers, that's great. Um, so going to do that, developing some kind of MVP or, or minimum viable product, which essentially shows the core functionality of the product to the customers and, and starting them in, in, you know, in beta or, or pilots is, is a great way to do it and, and confirm um, validation and, and viability. Um, but we're, we're not of the, uh, the school of, you know, take the technology, develop it, and then find customers for it. Um, because what you'll find is uh, a lot of people waste a lot of time and money doing that uh, because they just assume that everybody's going to want it because we worked really hard on it. And we spent a lot of time on it. So, you know, just buy it. And, um, and that's generally not a great solution. You, of course, you'll find exceptions where that's perfectly the right way to do it, but you, you shouldn't be looking at this as a, uh, a, you know, an exception kind of game. Look, look at it um, across the entire you know, universe of startups and, and, and draw back a, a uh, evidence-based method to, to try and get the most success possible. And so that, that's our, that's our approach. I would, I would just add to that and say that Jake is selling his company a little short right there and say that, um, you know, as he alluded to earlier, they started with a list of over 2000 technologies and we spent months um, interviewing PIs, taking, um, like down selecting that list to like, where is there like a, a commercial market fit and where is their defense market fit? Um, some of these technologies have fielded prototypes, some of them don't, but all of them have been through a process where FedTech got people on the phone with the inventors of these technologies and walked them through, okay, so do you have a mathematical proof that this is gonna work? Have you fielded it? What have your users, you know, like sort of walking them through the process so that they, um, so that we can understand um, how viable the technology is, where it's at in terms of development, that it has, you know, that we think that there's a need for it so that there's been a first pass. I think one of the great things about this program is that um, well, being an entrepreneur is hard and it's risky and I don't want to um, minimize like the, um, the challenge that these, you know, these awesome people take on when they become part of a program like this. Um, it, you know, it's a great challenge and, and like kudos to them for doing it. But I think DAA and, and FedTech do a really good job of sort of mitigating the risk and saying like, hey, these are technologies that are a good bet um, and that we think can be successful. Um, so everything that Jake said and more um, that these technologies have been through, you know, a rigorous downslide process to get from that 2000 to 24. I'm going to take this last question because I feel like I should have been prepared by this point. Um, dang it. Now we get another one. Haircut post killer. Not a real question. That after that. that's, that's <laughs> the, the one before that one throw away. This is, no, that's good. Um, is there a list of technologies we can choose from? So what I've heard and I literally have not looked around on this on the website, so I'm not cheating. Go ahead, Jer. Yeah. Is there's 24 different technologies that this is down selected from. People are applying irrespective of what that technology is. So you're applying as 
hey, I'm Jer, and uh, I, I want to nerd out on whatever you give me. And that at some point, once someone is accepted, uh, then there will be a matching process. Now, I don't know what that matching process looks like. Is it a, is it a, I rank it one to 10? I'll let you guys chime in on how that works. Yeah. Well, the, the problem with the, the one to 10 kind of approach is we don't understand the magnitude of what's the difference between one and two versus one and three or two and four. So what we do is we just give you a hundred points and you take those points and you can allocate them throughout multiple different technologies. So I'm gonna allocate 50 points to my, the technology I really want. And maybe I'm okay having you know, five points to one that, that I think I'd be okay being paired with, um, but it's not my first or second or third choice. So, so that, that's the way to do it. Um, we, we wish we had enough time to get the technologies out in front of you before we can apply. Um, but this, this process of finding these technologies is really, really long and really labor intensive. And, uh, and and we we do really uh, heavy diligence on it as well. So um, so we we just we're not in a position where we can we can uh, you know um, um, provide it to you before you apply. Unfortunately. No, I think that that makes sense, and and it is a little bit of right. It's a kind of almost like good litmus test for risk, right? Because because there's you know, there's a lot of we've talked about that you know risk tolerance and gray areas and the stuff throughout it. So uh, I think that's a really fascinating way to kind of uh, get a sense of where folks are at, and how how well they might succeed in the program. Um, so I've got uh, two final questions. Uh, we'll watch this uh, one minute uh, amp up clip. And I'll answer uh, Timmy's questions uh, with a, a video of my my haircut success. I'll say I did better the last time than I did this time. So, you know, one to one, fifty percent success rate. But that way, I can cut it off, and we can still post this to to YouTube or wherever. I'm not going to have to look at my head. Um, so the the question, uh, last question for Rose. Uh, so the Defense Innovation Accelerator, super cool opportunity, right? Uh, but as we talked about, it's not the right fit maybe for everyone who would want to get involved in this kind of area. So um, someone thinks it's really cool, it finds out, right, like me, I'm in the Air Force, no go, right? Not for me. Um, you know, does Ensign have other opportunities? You know, what are they? How can I find out about them? Yeah, so Ensign has over a dozen different programs um, distributed. Some of them are pretty much only for active duty. I spent my first year at Ensign. Um, it's it's program called Boot Camp. It's um, basically innovation workshops for active duty um, service members and occasionally uh, staff officers. So there are, there's a lot of different ways to plug into Ensign. We do things like um, the Hacking for Defense course. Um, we do like uh, weekend hackathons. Um, there's a bunch of different ways to plug in. Um, so one of the ways that um, and, and the way that Ensign is sort of set up to, to facilitate that is really the first person that you would generally go to is your regional director. Um, we're set up on a hub and spoke model, so we've got people all across the country um, who really know what's going on in that ecosystem and sort of know what's gonna be local to you. DA is actually kind of a cool, exceptional program in that it spans the whole country. Um, so if you want to uh, connect with Ensign and you're, you know, this, this, is, this sounds cool, but not for you, um, I have permission to introduce you to our, the assistant of our director of operations who will be able to sort of point you in the, the right direction. Um, her name is Riley and her email is rmistrot, uh, M-I-S-T-R-O-T at ensign.us. I'll drop it in the chat so that um, you have it handy. Awesome. 
yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really exciting uh, opportunity. And uh, there, there's a lot of stuff out there and I've been super impressed. I've been following it since, since, you know, MD5, whatever, when I first met Morgan and started working with him with Def. And um, yeah, it's been really cool to see that. The X-Force thing is super cool. Like there's, there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, so uh, Jake, closing you out, um, you've been involved with Def for a while. Uh, and, and you've got this fed tech side and you've seen all these different things. Um, you know, what are some of the ways you think maybe people in the community can help out even if they're not applying? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. So we have, uh, I think we have at least one mentor in the, in the audience today. Uh, so shout out to Rob, Rob Nicholson. Um, yeah. So we need some more mentors. I mean, we have so many mentors, but we can never have enough. So uh, if you want to be a mentor, you can reach out to that email. Uh, I, I put in the chat there, dia at ensign.us. We'll, we'll get you set up with the, um, um, you know, with, with a mentor form and, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, interview you and, and we'll see if you're a good fit for the program. Uh, I think that's, it's just a really awesome way to, to get involved and, and get people from the community involved. Um, so that's one thing. <clears throat> Another thing too, if, if you're, um, if you have some knowledge in, in the, uh, um, you know, DOD uh, space, say, say you're an end user, uh, you're in the Air Force, some, you know, you, you work on certain technologies uh, and, and you want to be involved, um, you know, just raise your hand and we'll, we'll find technology that's relevant for you. So you can actually take a look at it, um, talk to the teams and, and understand, you know, give them some feedback on it. You know, will this be useful? Do you think if it's commercialized, what are some of the areas you're facing? What problems do you have as an end user, um, as a buyer? I mean, if you're a, if you're a contractor, I mean, any, anything, any involvement in the ecosystem would be helpful to just get your, your information so we can, we can reach out to you. Um, and also service providers too. So, you know, businesses need, need services. And so if you want to get involved and, and help some of these teams out, um, you know, we can talk about ways to, 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 uh, for that to happen as well. Um, so I think that's all, all of the, um, all of the ways you can get involved, I, I believe. I mean, there's, I'm probably missing some, but I think that's that's the majority. Oh, that's that's awesome, and I, I think it's really great, right? Because there's a lot of things out there where you know it's kind of just one path, right? And I think the, the the thing that makes all of these things really cool is there's so many different ways to get involved, and there's a lot of opportunities for help, right? Like there's a lot of needs out there. That's I think what a lot of draws a lot of people to the deaf community is you know you, you just feel like you, you want to do something you don't know what you, you show up, you meet a bunch of people and you're like, I don't know what it is, but like, these are my people. I'm going to stick around and figure out, you know, what I can do. Right. In my case, you know, I found out that I can host the webinar, right? Like who knew? Um, right. But like, but I think this stuff is really important. I'm really excited. Right. So that's a way that I can give back, you know, maybe it seems silly, but that's, you know, that's, that's kind of that step of putting your, you know, your actions where your, your thoughts and, and stuff are. So uh, with that, I'll show this video. Timmy, I haven't forgotten about you. I'm going to do this at the like 14 minute mark. I'll take my hat off. Um, but, uh, but I think this, this video is really cool. So I want everyone to get a chance to uh, check it out. Thanks to Jared for putting this together. We've been trying to do this for a very long time. And then just recently I was like, let's get the, let's get the green light. And then, you know, this is very, uh, very fast, even for uh, this, this is not a government organization, right? So, um, I mean, you guys just move super fast. So um, really appreciate the speed and, and throwing this all together quickly. So yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah. That's it's up been to you, fun. Jared.
And thanks I'd love to, to get to connect with you guys. So, yeah, this is this is a win. I met someone new at Ensign, uh, even though I still had an MD5 address for you in my like. <laughs> so at some point we were on an email together previously, Rose. But um, oh, now I need to find this thing. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so thanks for everyone for joining us. Uh, like I said. Oh, and the application application is in the chat. So it yep. closes next week uh, for those of you who are on the phone on uh, May 28th. So um, check out the, the, uh, the link, uh, which is recruiting.fedtech.io uh, slash DIA. So check that out. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Jer. No, you're good. Because what I'll say is we'll, we'll clip this to end at the end of the video and then we should be able to get it put on uh, on youtube and blast it out and that'll give us one more social media circuit uh to to kind of get people's attention uh, over the long weekend and get their applications in before the deadline so thanks everybody if you have questions we put all the stuff in there we'll link uh everybody's stuff uh in terms of websites when we put this online and uh yeah thanks everybody have a good holiday weekend thanks you too Bye. Bye. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We love ideas and feedback, so feel free to send your thoughts to hello at deaf.org. For more great content and to stay in the loop about community events and activities, follow us on social media and subscribe to our monthly newsletter. Everyone plays a part in building the innovative national security culture we want to see. To find where you fit, just go to def.org slash join. That's def.org slash join.